Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Gobble, gobble, everybody. It's turkey lucky time. Oh, shit, he's going to sing it. He's going to sing no, it. No, no, no. I'm only going to sing the part that has to do with Thanksgiving. Everyone's like, oh, your favorite Thanksgiving song is turkey lucky time. I'm like, guys, that is a from a holiday Christmas party that they sing that song. So technically, I Te- don't know. I think it's... Kind of both, I guess. No, it is a thing. It's like jingle bells, jingle bells. Jingle, oh. Like, come on, you know, like at the end, you know. They're so fucking us over here. Damn it! Oh man, Bert well, Backrack. How David get on it? <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, friends. Thank you for listening to us on our what is this? Our two hundred and first. No, no, two hundredth <laughs> favorite thing. Oh, this is our two hundredth favorite thing. Hello, four hundred and one episodes. Two hundred oh, favorite thing. I believe that we've done this for 200 weeks rob 200 weeks we've sat down we've looked at each other we've talked it's been very exciting first of all big thank you it. to all of our listeners for so much love as we celebrated our 200th week on the air thank obviously so much. could not do any of this without your love and support and kind words and and words of encouragement and corrections when we need to be corrected john moss so thank you all so much <laughs> John, John is always, uh, I love John. John is, John is the greatest man. John, John sends me free books every once in a while. So I, oh. I so, I mean, so I'm a bibliophile. Thanks to John, but you big, can really be correct. Yes, yes. But thank you all so, so much for everything. Yeah. I can't tell you how much we, we appreciate all the kind words and everything. And, and thank you. We, we've had a pretty good season so far of people that we've had on the, on the podcast. You know, like a year ago, I thought, oh, man, I don't know. We're, we're kind of scraping the barrel. Are we going to get some, the next level of people or is it going to, no, I think it's really gotten good, Rob, and I'm really excited about the, the the most recent interviews that we've had. It's been really special. Also, Robbie Rizell was our moderator, and Robbie just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Robbie Rizell. Happy birthday today, yeah, or yesterday, I guess, when you're listening to this. Yes, happy birthday, Rob. I was actually, last night, I was at his show at 54 Below. I participated in his Tuesdays with Robbie Rizell at 54 uh, Below. What did you sing, Mr. Thomas? Oh, it actually ties into my favorite thing this week, which is a little hint to you. But oh, really? I sang, yeah, it really does. It's my favorite thing this week. Not the, my I did a medley. Uh, so Robbie asked a couple singers and some friends to be there uh, for his. He, had, he does a weekly show at fifty four bi week bi monthly, um, and I participated in it and it was so much fun. And I, I made him stay on stage and I sang him a medley of Jack Cassidy songs. Your welcome and it's all because of the brilliance of my friend rob schneider that i uh put it together because you said hey because i said what am i gonna sing because yeah when you sing at a cabaret you don't want to sing something really dramatic and serious and unless you earned it i think i think can I you mean, tell I, that to everyone who does a cabaret please? <laughs> literally every song i hope no one's listening that participated every song rob was like just slit up not across i mean they were just so sad and dramatic pep it up, pep it up folks I, I my my motto is always like funny faster like silly you know but you can have a moment but you have to earn it so i thought i would be really fun and i would put together i put together five um songs and i spliced them together and i made it about robbie i changed a couple lyrics here there and i had a really good time and because you everyone you guys know i love jack cassidy and his voice so much unfortunately he was in a lot of um, lesser known shows, shall we say, or shows that have been forgotten nowadays, except for She Loves Me, of course. So I think the audience was 
mm, perhaps scratching their heads during some of the songs, but I hope that we provided enough entertainment that they got through it just fine. But I had a great time and it was really, really fun to sing. That's, that's amazing. Oh, I would love to, I wish I could have been there. If I was there, I probably would have done a Robert Goulet medley. Oh, uh, yeah, I would have expected you to have done a Robert Goulet medley. I would have yeah. come up, I think, as Robert Goulet and, and sang yes. some of his favorite songs. Yes. From way def- back when. <laughs> <laughs> and I just could see you, like, pose, like, on the piano, just kind of, like, lounging, chilling as Goulet. I think I would have asked for a cordless mic, but in his days, there was always a cord. So he's always, like, like phantom grabbing for the cord, like the cord that doesn't <laughs> exist. Right. Because he's got his chordography that he got set down, you know, where you got like to switch hands with the I like to switch. sling it over my shoulder and go to town, <laughs> which is also what I said to Karen Morrow once. <laughs> we were doing a production at the Muni of High Spirits, which I realized was spelled H-I-G-H, not H-I. So I went around greeting all the spirits. <laughs> When when one time they had us on a local TV station, it was me and Ken Barry who was doing Do Barry Was a Lady. Punchline? No? Okay. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> but uh, if, you, if you ask me, they should have changed it to Ken Barry Was a Lady because I got stories. <laughs> I won't. Sure that, was, that was the Kenley players, I think. At, that was. at, at Kenley. <laughs> All right, after Tommy Toon. And Doretta Morrow did a revival of Anything Goes. Doretta Morrow. That's wow. A, that's, a, that's, that's, a wow. Real, that's a real niche that name there. Really, that was definitely niche for the five people that <laughs> definitely know that. So let's oh, thank you for that. Up next, oh, Shenandoah. <laughs> oh, my God, Which Rob. is still a show I've so, ne- never seen, yeah. You know, I, and it's always been on my list of shows to really listen to. I've got it's a list good. of shows. It's a beautiful score. I love the score. It's well known, and I just, I've never gotten around to to listening. I'm sure, oh, you listeners, you've probably got a couple shows that you're ashamed to say that you know that you're going to like, but you just haven't listened to it yet. But um, it's definitely one of the ones that I, I, I need to. Um, you're in, you're in, just, we should tell everybody, you're in Los Angeles right now. This yeah, I, I wish I could say sunny California, but we're raining. It's, it's, it's a little bit of raining here. It feels very fallish right now. So <laughs> sadly, no. Hey, 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 you know it really quickly what, what, what? so folks i just want to clear something up very quickly Uh-oh. um on our 200th episode oh. um, we uh we, <laughs> so, so somebody was asking i think robbie was asking us and and he was saying you know tell us about like you know odd guests and john Whoa. simon's name came up and uh, i woke the next morning with text being like hey just so you're all aware john simon died <laughs> from robbie he was like uh so well, what do you want to do about that we didn't chop um, it it kept it, didn't we? Well, didn't it was we, already, it was it? posted. We posted it on Sunday night, and then the next oh, morning, shit. they were like, hey, he he died. Um, although, after what I saw people writing on social media about him, I, 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 don't, oh. th- I don't think anyone was what, really offended. What, what better way to give a tribute to him than to talk about him on the day of his passing? I mean, really. Yes. It, it, and we did, and, and it's preserved. I mean, we don't want to, you know, hide from the fact that he was a bit of a monster to some people it was one of the most uh, god bless it was one of the most bizarre interviews i think we've ever had in our life first of all he never talked above a whisper um and when he did talk loudly you were kind of like go back to whispering because i can't believe you just said that um i think that might have been racist i think that was a racist thing you just said uh, i don't know if i'm ever going to tell anybody what he said because the only people i think he'll ever know will be you me and Mm -hmm. god bless him brilliant composer and lyricist billy reesey who had to go pick john up from the train station oh my god i forgot about that and then take him oh i shouldn't say that never mind would take him to lunch he asked he asked to be taken to lunch and kevin and i were like billy will do it 
<laughs> gave Billy a hundred. I gave Billy a hundred dollars and said, <laughs> "I said go Keep have fun. Change. Keep the change." Um, I don't. I don't know where he took Billy for lunch. That's a play. Billy should write a play about that. Him and his lunch with John Simon. There was sometimes so Billy had to stay in the room while we did the interview because he was one who had to take John back. So there were a lot of times where like Billy was seated behind John facing us and Billy was just like on his phone doing stuff. But every once in a while, John would say something that was so offensive. Billy would look up at us with like horror on his face with like his jaw on the floor. I will never, I don't know if I'm ever going to tell anyone this story, but we asked him what was the most offensive thing you ever put in a review that got cut. And he told us it was, I'll tell you who it was about. It was about Sammy Davis jr. And it was so offensive it was it was the only time in my life, Kevin. I think when we've been doing these, that I wanted to be like, I think we're good now. We're done. We're done. Like I, th- yeah. I think we're done. Thank you so much. It was, yeah. and and what was even more offensive was the fact that he had no idea that what he had said was like offensive. Right. I was like, that's really right. horrible. So anyway, so I don't think we're ever going to tell anybody. Just you, me, and and Billy will be the only ones who know. So. Um, yeah, so John Simon passed. Um, Daniel Schwartzberger, editor, was like, hey, if you want, he's like, I can, you know, whenever, whenever someone dies on this podcast, we replay their episode for that week in memoriam. And I was like, you know, we don't have to do it this week. I think, I I think, think talking about him and celebrating him just by, you know, bringing him up. And, yes. and he, <laughs> you know, he did have a long legacy and he, he, he was, he wrote reviews for the forever. I mean, it, it, he has quite a history. And that part is interesting, I guess. He's an immigrant and he came here. But, um, but yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. So condolences to his family, um, yes. but it's and his like, wife, yeah, and his wife who who ran mm-hmm. Manhattan School of Music for a very very long time, yeah. Pat Simon. So yeah. um, anyway, so that's that's that, and maybe one day we'll release the full in- interview after Kevin and I have long passed, so that way we don't get <laughs> we don't get yelled at for yeah. for sitting there and listening to what he had to say. Although an yeah. interest an interesting critic, and I'm happy that we got him because you know we, we said this before when we said it on the 200th episode. You know we want to create a time capsule, and I think it's good for people to see like where we have come from. Like, oh yeah. And maybe I'd mentioned this in the 200th episode, like a, a couple of years ago when there was a critic who had mentioned body size in uh, the Smokey Joe's Cafe revival. Oh, and, yeah. And, you know, there was such an outrage over it. And I think it's interesting to see, like, what what they had said versus go 40 years back to, like, what John Simon was saying in his reviews about what people look like. I think it's good for people to see wh- from whence where we have come and where we are going. So yes. that, that's that's why we, we sit down and talk to some people that you might be like, why are you talking to him? Although everybody, remember everyone else we had that day after him that came in, they were like, who'd you interview today? And we were like, John Simon. They all could quote verbatim, like one of his horrible without reviews about thinking them. like without even thinking. I mean, they, they said, Oh, I've been Simonized. Um, and that's the word we use for it. And they all, you're right, Rob. And that's what I read on Twitter as well. I know you don't go on Twitter as much, but everybody that had been around of a certain generation that was on Twitter, they all wrote their quote about like, of what he said about them or, or how they, you know, Amy Spanger, I saw her had one, she had one up there. Amy I mean, Spanger. it was just, what is it? Crazy. Lonnie Price who said he, he said he goes, I hate to say that it's funny, but it's funny. He goes, the best thing about Lonnie Price directing the show, it means it doesn't Lonnie it means Lonnie Price is not on the stage. <laughs> Perfect example. You just go, just, oh, 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 God bless him. Well, anyway, so our condolences. Anyway, yes. favorite things. <laughs> Let's do a favorite thing. Why not? What uh, uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first, sure. Um, I, well, because I said I, it, it ties into what I uh, my medley that I did last night at fifty four. Um, so the songs I did, uh, so listeners, if you're curious, um, I did. I opened with um, uh, from "It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman." Uh, you're the woman for the man, and then I 
streamed in to Fortune Is My Face from Fade Out, Fade In. Then I did the title song of Wish You Were Here. Um, and I finished with um, uh, the song from She Loves Me, Help Me, Rob. Um, uh, it's been grand. You? It's been grand knowing you. Yeah. But this, the penultimate number, it was the, the, the big uh, 11 o'clock number that uh, Jack sang in the musical Maggie Flynn. Oh, well, I can't Today, find- oh, Sorry. <laughs> Why can't I walk away? Yeah, it's such a great song. I mean, some of the lyrics are a little suspect, but he does play a clown in the show. So it makes sense when he's like, why must I play the clown? But it's this is a musical Maggie Flynn from 1968, which is an interesting year because uh, in that season, much of musical theater, the sound of Broadway had changed completely because of hair. You know, pop rock is more, you know, it, we all know the story. We all learned this. Um, Maggie Flynn is definitely of its era. It is a good old, it's one of those shows that when I would, you know, was trying to find like a, a, a lost show that, had a tuneful score. So not a lost show that had a crap score, but like Hazel Flag. Sorry, John. Um, but like a, a show that really has a toe-tapping fun score. And I got to say, Maggie Flynn has that. Now, for 40 years or so, it was basically kind of lost because it was one of those shows that was not put on CD, not put anywhere else. It was only on LP. So like mm. Kwamina and uh, Donnie Brook and those kinds of shows, uh, A Time for Spring, A Time for Singing. Um, it, this is one of those types of shows that has a, a tuneful score, but it was basically not heard of for a long time. Now I'm happy to report that, yes, you can buy it digitally, you can buy it on a CD, or you can stream it on Spotify or Apple. I'm sure it's on Apple as well. Uh, and I think that's really, really exciting that, I mean, I looked it up and you can see how many people listen to it. 85 people a month listen to it. I think Are you I'm 84 of those 85? <laughs> this last month i might be around that so you're welcome but um yeah so maggie let me give you a little just a couple little details about it um this was a musical that only ran for about 10 weeks uh in that season and like i said this was had a very tuneful score and it was it was the first show um by a, a, a music lyrics and book by the team called hugo and luigi which sounds like a club act at like copacabana but it's a uh, hugo peretti and luigi Cretore. And now they were very, very well known in the record industry for having written the songs, get ready, Can't Help Falling in Love that Elvis sang in Blue Hawaii. Oh, my God. Uh, Lion Sleeps Tonight, Twisting the Night Away, just to name a couple. No, we're talking like major songs. They wrote these? uh, Yes, they were a major – I mean that's why they were known as Hugo and Luigi in the music industry. In fact, this Maggie Flynn, there's an – I found a demo of of a, of a, of a recording from 68 that is – that Hugo and Luigi put out there because they had their own orchestra. So I think either before or after, I don't know the details, but they put their own album out. And it, it's got – it's pressed and it says not for sale. It was like a demo thing. Wow. But it's just their orchestra with the, with the entire score on there. And all it says is Hugo and Luigi. Like they're like – like one, like share, like everyone just knew their their one name. I also should say that this though, this this their first musical, Maggie Flynn. Uh, they they co-wrote it with another man named George David Weiss, which I have to guess that they wrote with him because he had two, albeit not very successful shows already that had run on Broadway. Mister Wonderful, oh. Sammy Davis Jr. Speaking of Sammy, uh, and First Impressions, the Sense and Sensibility musical, uh, and George uh, George Weiss also wrote What a Wonderful World. So he had sort of cut his teeth on Broadway, uh, but the three of them teamed up and all together wrote this Maggie Flynn, which is a period musical, um, and it, it's it was uh, Shirley Jones starred in it with her husband at the time, 
Jack Cassidy. Now, you guys know that they had kids that were famous, you know, Partridge family, all of that, the Sean Cassidy and all of we, – we know that. And um, But this is the first and only time that they played, I think, opposite each other on Broadway while they were, you know, together. I think they did Summerstock together, but um, this is their first show. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't a big success, so, except you've got this great score. Now, the songwriters definitely catered almost all of the songs to Shirley Jones and Jack. Like, there's no there's no bit characters. There, there's a chorus of kids, and they've got a couple songs that are really fun. Let me just give you a brief overview of the story. It takes place in 1863 New York City, uh, right before um, or the draft riots uh, happen at the end, which are when a bunch of mostly white people were kind of upset with the idea of having to fight in the Civil War because they were drafted now and they were forced to go fight uh, this this war. Uh, and so there was there were riots that happened in New York City uh, in the Lower Lower East Side, and it was ugly. And it, it's stuff that you, you can read about, and there's a real history there. Now, I will also like to say that during this time period that this was written, the Vietnam was going on, and there were riots. And there were draft riots and the same kind of situation. And that was not lost on the writers. In fact, unfortunately, a lot of the critics thought that this parallel, they were playing on it too hard, that it was a little too on the nose and a little too trying to make this this 1860s thing like the 60s of today that they were going through. Um, and it, it was just a little, little forced, I think, is what I read a lot of it was. But so Shirley Jones plays this Irish woman who is uh, runs an asylum for orphaned children of refugee slaves or, or runaway slaves. Uh, so these are kids that have been abandoned for whatever reason. And so the 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 given circumstances before this plot starts is that she had a husband, Jack Cassidy. He left her seven years earlier. He's gone. He just got up and left, uh, and he went to go join the circus because he's a performer. And he wanted to. He's a. He was just a. You know, one of those people that had to roam around, and you. You know. And so she's a fiery, feisty woman, and she's going to run this orphanage and do it all her own. She's now fallen in love with the colonel of the Union Army. He's a little more straight arrow, uh, not as fun to be with, but you know, at least he's going to be there. Uh, and so that's how the show starts. Of course, naturally, Jack comes back to town. He's a clown. He's got the face makeup on, and all of a sudden, he the kids the kids in the, the orphanage like him because there's a parade, and bam, he's right back in Shirley's life again, uh, and now or Maggie's life again. Uh, Maggie Flynn, that's the Shirley Jones's character, and and he returns. And so the musical is basically framed in this time period with these rights that are eminent going to happen um and uh eventually she ends up with jack of course um and uh, it, that's basically what the show is about and this but i have to say the focus is not on the show it's on the score it is a very tuneful score it is very catchy the songs are they're not some of them are not very long at all but yet you you will you will listen to it and think hey this is good. This is like this is this is pretty quality stuff. And of course as evidence from these writers are were hit writers of the time period dance arrangements Trudy Rittman just had to say her name out loud. Do you know I like to say Trudy Rittman? A female who did all the 200 weeks, 200 references. She has, she has, she was so special and she did all these dance arrangements and worked with these composers but got very little recognition for it so that's why we still say her name. The reason why I bring Maggie Flynn other than, other than the fact that it is a fun, tuneful score that you can listen to on Spotify uh, is that there is a Thanksgiving type song and the song is the thank you song, um, and the kids all sing it, and they think of, they sing about what they're thankful for, and I think that that's a fun little tie-in to Thanksgiving because there really aren't a lot of Thanksgiving songs. No. I, I, 
Turkey Lurkey is like on the border uh, <laughs> because they just say Turkey Lurkey. They don't say Thanksgiving at all, um, nor you know should they. But but uh, so <laughs> so yeah. So my my favorite thing of of the of this of this week is Maggie Flynn. Uh, Maggie Flynn. M a g g i e f l y n n. The cast recording, um, which had all been unheard of uh, up until the last couple of years when it came back out um, and they, you know, re-released it like they do with a bunch of other stuff. So it's a 1960s golden age musical that <sighs> honestly, it just it's just fun. It feels like the mix between like Jerry Herman and um, Walter Marks, <laughs> the kind of score. It's like, you know, it's fun. It's Jerry silly. meet Walter. Yeah, exactly. Which we should get Walter on. Walter, here. Uh, yeah, Walter actually would be great. Walter, Walter's got stories. You know, Walter. So this is Walter Marks, who was a composer, lyricist. He wrote uh, Bajor and he wrote Golden Rainbow, and of course, the big song "I've Got to Be Me" from Golden Rainbow. Uh, Walter, I'll sing it. Yeah, um, oh, no, is still very much alive. Um, and you know, he's he was Johnny Mercer's protege. He was a PA on Flower Drum Song. Yeah, we need to talk to. Like, him. I think I think Walter will have great stories. So just made the case. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Okay. We make it happen. So I am excited for your favorite thing. What is it? Oh well, my favorite thing, my friend. Okay, so you know, pretty pretty soon, um, as you all know, it's going to be our annual in memoriam show where we celebrate those people that have passed. Um, and one of the people that passed this year, um, who was a guest on our show and a fabulous guest, was Martin Charnin, um, who was the lyricist uh, for Annie. Um, and Martin and I worked together a lot, and it was it was his death was very sudden. And I know you, you know it's 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 very sad. Um, so I was like, well, I want to do some research. So I was looking at my bookshelf, and I'm like, what is this book? I've never really looked at this book before, but it's somehow sitting on my shelf, and I don't know what it is. And it's a book, believe it or not, by Martin Charnin. And folks, this is my favorite thing this week. What it is called? I'm going to hold it up, Kevin. It's called see. Annie, a theater memoir by I Martin Charnin. Never seen that before. Neither had I. It's somehow it's sitting on my bookshelf. So once again, folks, it's from 1977 when Annie came out. It's called Annie, a theater memoir by Martin Charnin. But I'm going to show this to you, Kevin, if I can. Hold on. I'm going to see if I can put my mic down and still talk at the same time. But it's a yeah. it's a picture book <gasps> filled with oh, like you guys. all of these amazing pictures. It's the from- size of a like a magazine, you guys. It's the I mean the, the book is an oversized book. There's pictures throughout all of it. Rob's holding it up to me, like full full page pictures. Yeah. Pictures, uh, black and white, and it, wow! So it's this—it's this great. If listen, if you're an Annie, so I went back, I reread it yesterday. If you are an Annie fan, you must have this book. You must buy this book. And once again, it's—it's it's all about how Annie was created, the idea of Annie, and it goes into such detail on how the script was created, how the, where the idea came from, how the designs were created, how, the casting process. Um, you can buy it on Amazon, folks. Um, um, it's going right now hardcover for twenty nine ninety nine, but you can also buy it in paperback from six dollars and thirty eight cents. Um, if you are directing Annie or you are an Annie fan, you must, you must, you must buy this book. Um, it's a fascinating exploration of how this musical was created, what was working, what wasn't working, um, how they created a marketing campaign once the show was a huge hit. Um, and it also has this amazingly odd photo on the back uh, that I will post for everybody to see. Uh, I, I just saw it on eBay. It's on eBay, Rob. It's on eBay. I'm looking at it right now. You're looking at I don't this photo right now? It's very comfortable. I don't know how I feel about it's, it. It's, it's, it's Martin Charnin sitting on a cube. <laughs> Like full seventies, like this is like a full seven. He's giving you full seventies realness. While Andrea McCardle is sitting on his lap, 
And Sandy the dog is there, but is looking at the look at Sandy really closely, and he's kind of looking at you, going like, "What the fuck is happening?" Even <laughs> Sandy's confused. Sandy's like, "Why is nobody doing anything?" It is it, the it is the oddest looking are, photo. Of, his, his legs are spread like he's like playing the cello, but instead of having a cello, <laughs> he's got Annie. <laughs> Oh He's got Annie on his lap. Um, so so this, this book is filled with some <laughs> 70s realness. Obviously, it doesn't cover some of my favorite parts of the Annie story, which are Annie, the movie directed by John Huston, the, wor- the, worst per- the worst person that you would want to have come direct a musical, um, the Annie Warbucks, Annie 2, Annie... 1997, let's, let's do uh, a Macy's contest for Annie, and then let's fire her. Oh, that Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Bates, Miss Hannigan, George Hearn and Annie's Royal Adventure. Remember that, that TV movie, that random TV movie where George Hearn played Daddy Warbucks. It's called Annie, a Royal Adventure. No, I know. I've I've never. Listeners, you know what I'm talking about, right? Annie, a Royal Adventure. Yeah, they did it. I think this was in the 90s. They did another Annie. Annie goes on a Royal Adventure to London and uh, uh, George Hearn played Daddy Warbucks. Was it a musical? I don't remember. Wow. <laughs> I don't. Okay. Well, I, that's not the focus of today, but I no. just, I, the, I've the, never, the ever, focus, ever the that. focus of today is Annie, a theater, sorry, a theater memoir, Annie, a theater memoir by Martin Charnin. If nothing else, get it for this marvelous photo of Martin Charnin, Andrea McArdle and Sandy, <laughs> the confused dog. Um, we're all Sandy. Good old, I think I thought we're all Sandy. <laughs> we are all Sandy at this point. Um, it's interesting. It's a very interesting thing about how this like juggernaut was created and how they maintained it for so long. I think people forget how important Annie was because Annie was really our first family friendly musical. We hadn't really and, not had that before. And how it came out of good speed. And they I don't think they had any idea that it was going to become this mega, mega musical that it became. I mean, a hit show that made them all filthy rich yeah. uh, for years and years and decades and decades. And actually, know? I shouldn't say a family musical because I feel like The Wiz is a family musical. I'm saying like a children's musical. I should say children's chil- musical. Uh, I think children is, is the good And word don't give me that musical. Oliver bullshit. Oliver is not a children's musical. Are you Ol- kidding me? Oliver is a musical in which children happen to be in the story. Like Sound of Music, right. but it is not a children's musical. Um, so question for you, Kevin, which I don't think I've ever asked you before. Do you like Annie? Are you an Annie fan? Uh, it's a good question. I recently – I do. I am. I like the score. I, I, it's so funny. I think that I'm not because I think most people are a little quietly a little like, oh, yeah, it's – you know, it's uh, song will come out tomorrow. Ugh, God, if I had to hear that song again. And yet I listened to it the other day or maybe a couple weeks ago, um, and I just th- think the orchestrations are so rich and so much and so fun. And it, the movie was on the other day on my, you know, my channel here on Antenna TV. And you better believe I just put it on and watched it. And I, Carol Barnett is just Antenna so brilliant TV. in it. Phil, I love oh, Phil Lang. Phil Lang did the orchestrations. Uh, Phil Lang. Who did the orchestrations for Maggie Flynn? <laughs> oh, my God. You see, once again, it all comes together. I am, he also orchestrated like a thousand yeah. shows in that time. Uh, but so, yeah, no, I like it. I actually really – I love Charles Strauss. I love too. his music. I always have. Uh, Annie is not the top of my you know favorite Charles Strauss scores, but it's it's definitely uh, – I enjoy it. And I Why? forget what's, how much how much I like it. You what's, know? Your, what's your favorite Charles Strauss score? Uh, I knew you were going to say that that um i think that i i need to give you more than one because his voice is so varied the the idea that this is the same is it man before the parade who, passes by <laughs> that's good uh, well the same man who wrote rags mm-hmm. wrote 
Golden Boy, yeah. you know, wrote Bye Bye Birdie. They, they are completely different sounds to my ears. So those are, are I would say Rags is one of my favorites uh, just because it's so outside the box of what I expect of him to write. Uh, and then I would say Bye Bye Birdie is really up there. I, I, and I think it's because it's you know when you guys you know when you listen to something as a kid and then you can't quite filter out whether or not you like it because it's good or you like it just because you liked it as a kid you know, like is that way for like me Sarah, Sarah Brightman <laughs> oh Sarah Brightman yeah. <laughs> like I, I like it still but it's because I liked it when I was a kid you know sure, it, sure, in my sure, years sure. today know know that it's not that brilliant but at the time anyway so <laughs> how dare you she's well, brilliant <laughs> so Annie, I think falls under that. So uh, it's just nostalgia. Oh, bye bye birdie. I'm sorry, falls under that. So it's I'm a little nostalgic for it. But I like. What about you? Well, my my favorite Charles Strauss score is I love Golden Boy. Golden Boy Same. followed by applause followed by bye bye birdie. Um, but when it comes to Annie, I'm not a big fan of Annie the stage show, but I'm a big fan of eighty eighty two Annie Carol Burnett. Albert Finney, Bernadette Peters, Anne Ryan King, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Holder. Holder. Yeah, um, it's. I love it. I think it's. And uh, yeah, I agree. That's uh, if somebody could take that version and put that whole thing on stage, except for the nine-minute thing where they all go watch Camille, which I still can't figure out. Do you remember that in the movie where they go to the movies and it's such? It's, it's like a, It's a fun song. Let's go to the movies. Let's yeah, go yeah, meet yeah. the stars. Right, and then they get there, and then it's literally like they watch. Like somebody was like, "Well, we need we're nine minutes under," and someone's like, "Well, let's just put on Camille." And you literally are watching yeah. black and white like Camille for nine minutes, and you're like, "Move on." Like move where's on. NYC, come on. Where's, where was no, NYC? Where's where Star to be? Where's Star to be? I want the Star to be. Not not available for this one. I also love We've Got Annie with Anne Ryan King. Yeah. Let her dance yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah. Albert Finney, I think, is a brilliant Daddy Warbucks. Yep. All from the boys. I wanted a boy. Oh, and Bernadette <laughs> Peters, Tim Curry. I mean, you got anything with Tim Curry in it? I'm very very happy about. I love uh, the, my one of my favorite things is a little story about that movie, if I may. Is do you know the story about Easy Street? They filmed it once, and it was a massive production number where people were like dancing in the streets, and they like, got like a whole like the whole like crowd was dancing with them. Right? They finished it, they wrapped the film, and then uh, Carol Burnett, who played Miss Hannigan, she went off back to Hawaii where she lived. She got cosmetic surgery. She got a new chin put in, a new chin. And a week after her surgery, John Houston called her and said, listen, this easy street number really doesn't work. It should be what they did on Broadway. It should just be the three of you. So we're going to go back and reshoot it, right? So he goes, we're going to pick it up from where you walk into the closet to get the locket. And when you come out of the closet, that'll all be new footage from that point on. And she goes, but but John, I, I just had plastic surgery and I've got a new chin. What should I do? And he took a beat and he said, come out look, and look determined. You stick your chin out to look determined. He's like that way. Oh my goodness! I was like, okay, that's good advice. That's that's a really fun story. I had no idea. Yeah, they. I think the original footage. I think might be on YouTube somewhere where mm. you see it's like literally like a, a 50, 60 Huge. person like production yeah. number all dancing. Um, but I I oh and also sign sign is one of the best songs in a movie musical. How does it's, it go? You lock the orphans in the closet. They love it. You hawk their Christmas souvenirs. It's where Daddy Warbucks goes to the yes. orphanage to convince her to sign the document saying Annie is mine. And she tries right. to seduce him. Yes. 
I thought like it's a sign, and I was like, it's a sign. No. Oh right, sign. It's, a, it's yeah, a, yeah. a sign. It's from anyone can whistle. It's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. And, and it's, it's all mine. mine. Yeah, it's a I gold if, mine. <laughs> I wonder if on the movie is where Tim Curry met Charles Strauss. And then asked oh. him to write anything can happen on Halloween. I wonder if that's why. I wonder if that's. I why. wonder if that's how it all came together. Boy, you today has really been a mind mind. I really feel like day. my head is going to explode from all this information I put uh, together today. Well, here I can calm you down. I'm holding up the photo again from the back cover of the Annie book. That'll, put it away. Put it away. <laughs> that'll, put it bring, away. that'll bring you back to reality. So, anyways, yeah. so mine is you know take a take a look at this Annie book, folks. Even if you if you're not a big Annie fan, I think what's really cool about this book is Martin brilliantly document documents what it was like to get a musical on in the 1970s. Um, so I think it's a really fabulous read just for that. Even if you're not the biggest Annie fan, love it. That's great. Mine is Maggie Flynn, the cast recording. Check it out. Awesome. So we wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I, I cannot speak for Kevin, but I can tell you that we are so thankful that you are in our lives and that you continue to support the podcast and you continue to tune in week after week after week. I second that, Rob, and oh. I am thankful for you guys as well and for all the listening and the, the, when you reach out to us and give us favorite things yes. and you comment on things and all that. We love, 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 love the interaction. So yes. uh, thank you for continuing to do that. Uh, it's been, wow, 200 uh, weeks and let's ha- hear 200 more, Rob. Yes. So thank you so much for trusting us for the past 200 weeks of your life. Till next wow. time. So, bye, everybody. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens Brown paper packages tied up with strings These are a few of my favorite things These are a few of my favorite things Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.